Welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Drohan, where together we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Ever flirted with the idea of turning your favorite hobby, passion, or side hustle into your career? Dave Walker knows a thing or two about the good, bad, and ugly sides to seeking profit from passions. Like you just chew it out in three hours, you shit it out, and then they don't like it, so you do another one. Um, I was like, this is, I think I might be dead inside. His endless love for the tabletop game Warhammer 40,000 or 40k to the less filthy casual is the primary subject matter for his wildly entertaining and unexpected hit YouTube channel MS Paints, which I happened to stumble across one Sunday whilst deep down a lockdown DIY margarita session, YouTube algorithm fueled content rabbit hole. As it would turn out, the show's title had far heavier connotations than just a tongue-in-cheek reference to a shitty Microsoft painting tool. Dave's impetus to create the channel being his unexpected diagnosis of the bastard degenerative autoimmune disease, multiple sclerosis or MS. MS Paints is his way of dealing with that particular son of a bitch. Whilst also championing positive values in the oft-times male-toxic wargaming community, changing the perception of disabilities, and the pursuit of hobbies that require fine motor skills whilst having a disability. Pretty freaking epic. Enjoy. Dave, welcome. Thank you very much for being on this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. How are you today, sir? Um. I'm pretty good considering. Yeah, pretty good considering. Uh, <laughs> You've had a busy few days. I've had a busy few days. It's been a busy couple of weeks and busy to the point where I was sat in my music studio last night um, just doing all kinds of bits and bobs, just sat on Zoom waiting for you. And then I saw the little uh, launch meeting thing that said tomorrow. And I was like, oh, oh, that's 24 hours away. Well, I'm real tired now. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, this is, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm like on my fifth wind at this point. So, mm. yeah, yeah, feeling good. feeling pretty good. The fifth yeah. winds that I hear is the charm. Are you a coffee drinker? Uh, yes, I recently, in fact, discovered these wonderful. Um, I have a shop around the corner that sells weird and wonderful things. It's like a a version of Monster that hasn't been released yet, and I am living. <laughs> I've been living off those for two weeks and they're kind of like a, a sugar-free workout drink. And um, I am in a foul mood if I don't have one, mm. but they're, they're 50 pence each and there's a, uh, there's a lot of caffeine in there. So <laughs> <laughs> you're basically reading between the lines. You're drinking pre-workout uh, energy drinks to stay awake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I haven't worked out properly in a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Very uh-huh. good. And may I say, Dave, you're one of the reasons I love your MS Paints YouTube channel, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, mm. is, you know, you have this reassuring, comforting quality to your tone of voice. And I'm mm-hmm. super pleased to, to hear that not only is it as good as the YouTube when heard live now, <laughs> it's actually even better. I feel like <clears throat> we could just head into a chapter of something Tolkien has written and I would my, I'd just sit uh-huh. back and let you chat, talk away to me and I'd be a happy man. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as I can read the tree beard parts, I'm happy. Maybe <laughs> the Saruman as well. Uh, very good. Very good. Um, let's start from the start, Dave. So, you know, there's a few different territories I want to jump into here. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously, one of the, the key ones is the art of hobbying or being a hobbyist mm-hmm. or the pursuit of hobbies, which I, which I just love. Um, and personally have kind of been interested in in and around hobbies my entire life. I think it's just mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to have leisure pastime and all pastimes, mm-hmm. which bring you joy and don't necessarily have to be connected to a goal or whatever that mm-hmm. is. Um, so we're, I'm going to start from the, from, let's go to the, the Dave backstory. <laughs> so can you recall when you yourself, obviously being a hobby enthusiast at, at many levels above myself, uh, when you first fell in love with a hobby and what that hobby was. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, Way back. <laughs> yeah. Literally every hobby that I've ever had has just hit me like a truck. Um, um, realize what I put my family and partners through. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I think the first hobby might have actually been... Uh, Oh wow! No, the more the further back I think about it, the, the, wow, it just keeps going back. Maybe like <laughs> when I was four or five, doing like I don't know, like little radio plays with my mum, where we'd do voices into a cassette recorder or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were big into that for a bit. Uh, mum and dad, very creative people, just kind of keep keep feeding me ideas, send me off into a corner to do the idea. So not much has changed. I'm 34 now. I sit in a corner and do a thing. Um, I think the first one that would be kind of relevant to this is that I was into Warhammer when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, me too. And then, oh, you were as well. Definitely, definitely loved it. Like yeah. had the little, had a little ultramarines army, loved to paint yeah. it really badly, loved to hang out <laughs> with a couple of mates and spend eight hours of a day to try and set up yeah. a battle. The battle would go for 45 minutes and you just love the whole thing. Like, man, I, I yeah, loved yeah. Warhammer. Is it? I still like, I still, I, that's why I saw your channel. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, I'm still a closet nerd for this shit. I love yeah, yeah, yeah. the miniature painting. I, I like, I love every aspect of it, but yeah. yeah. Please, yeah, please yeah. tell me more about Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, had, I went around to a, a friend who was, um, his dad was a, uh, a preacher and they came over from the states and they had all they introduced me to all these wonderful weird things i'd never seen before because i was in a small town called grimsby cleethorpes grimsby and cleethorpes next to each other it is can i swear on this podcast yeah i know no yes sir you lead the okay. dance with the language absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so grimsby is basically um the shitty end of the stick when it comes to the uk like we're, we're talking, we're talking until we left the European Union. We had the, uh, I say we have left, I've not been there for 15 years, uh, like highest teenage pregnancy rates, that sort of thing. Ooh, and okay. th- th- there's not much, um, there's not much intrigue and wonderment in Grimsby. Uh, and this American family come over and they, they introduced me to like, Oh, here's Warhammer. What are these action figures? Nah, 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 nah. You roll dice and they do things. And then he gets the D and D books out. I'm like, what the fuck? This is a game with a book, like not a video game, but it has a book. <laughs> uh, introduced me to, like, yeah, Star Trek, Star Wars, just all these kind of crazy things. Um, and forever completely ruined my life. I could be like 
buff and captain of the England football team at this point, but no, I'm, I'm just a twat sat here with a load of too many Lara Croft posters on the wall, <laughs> surrounded by polystyrene that I pulled out of a skip because it would make good terrain. Uh, and a Windows 98 computer next to me. Do you know what I mean? This this guy, this guy fucked me up, man. When I find him. <laughs> it set you uh, on a real tangent there, didn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess at some point, as invariably everyone does, you kind of discover um, rock and roll music. You get a terrible guitar. You start looking at girls. Um, you get into horror movies and stuff. And a lot of that stuff kind of went by the by. And as happens with a lot of um, gentlemen these days when they enter their 30s and they have disposable income, <laughs> shit goes downhill. Uh, <laughs> and the internet. Uh, yes, and the internet. Uh, oh, I can I can get that and someone will bring it to my door. Wonderful. <laughs> um, so that's when everything went a bit crazy. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe about... 12 years ago, I got into music. That's an important one. I keep forgetting about that. Um, and then spent the last 10 years as a film composer um, and sound designer, engineer for movies, video games, TV. Uh, and that, that was kind of my thing for a very long time, and it still is on and off. Um, but in terms of that was a hobby that rapidly turned into a business, mm. uh, which which I, I have no issue with as, you know, this podcast, our connection is from me trying to turn yet another hobby into a business. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And then I realized I'm actually pretty good at that. That's like not blowing my own trumpet or anything. Um, but because I threw myself into it so hard uh, and learned so much, uh, it kind of, I, I learned very quickly. And then once I realized creatively, it's a terribly unfulfilling job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So that's kind um, of stonewalled a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of realized after doing the, uh, maybe the 100th, like, up-tempo, I'll do the air quotes, up-tempo, dynamic, bold, innovative, um, corporate music, stock, Ooh. garbage, shit, like the 100, 150th one that I'd done. Like you just chew it out in three hours, you shit it out, and then they don't like it, so you do another one. Um, I was like, "This is, I think I might be dead inside." Mm. <laughs> uh, that corporatization of of uh, something that you once really interested you can destroy mm-hmm. the best <laughs> the best beginnings <laughs> of a, a passion led hobby, can't it? Like, yeah. if you yeah sat in a dark room churning out things like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'll that'll kill it for you. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. where did you where did you go from there? Um, I think about three years ago, I uh, downloaded Total War Warhammer Two on uh, Steam. Started playing that. Um, stayed up quite a few nights on that. Realized I really like this, but it's not quite it's not quite scratching the itch. Uh, so. The next day, went into a games workshop, and the rest is history. Bad times. <laughs> uh, this this is already like on top of. I collect retro video games as well. I I work weekends in a retro video game shop, so that's bad news. Uh, I collect 
old VHS horror movies. Uh, me and my partner are really into that. Uh, and I have um, an unnecessarily large Laserdisc collection as well. Because oh, I just wicked. I'm obsessed with movies on Laserdisc for some reason. There's like 300 movies from Hong Kong <laughs> and they're all in Cantonese <laughs> and I don't understand them. But like, I will sit there and watch it because it's on Laserdisc. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I've got so many questions. Is the... Well, first, I'm going to make a, make a statement. One of my go-to relax things, which I've maintained for the last sort of decade, I reckon, is playing Dawn of War, right? This video game set in the Warhammer 40K universe. Man, anytime I just need to unplug from reality, I just play Dawn of War, build these little armies, have these battles. Mm -hmm. And it's a total release for me. Like I just focus mm -hmm. on it completely. I love mm -hmm. it. And then maybe like a year ago, I got Dawn of War 2 or a, or a computer mm -hmm. good enough to play a more modern video <laughs> game. And I'm lost all over again. Like any chance yeah, yeah. I get to play this freaking thing, I'm on it. Like, <laughs> and it. And it does, it harks back to me yeah. being much younger and loving mm -hmm. the miniature thing, which, mm -hmm. and the, the whole Warhammer universe, which was so mm -hmm. rich and interesting. And mm -hmm. I never lost that. And this was like kind of a more modern way to tap into mm -hmm. it. But whereas I am quite sated, I feel, playing the game, <laughs> you, Dave, decided, oh, no, I need to actually go back into this universe head first. Yeah, so yeah. you started collecting, painting, modeling. Yeah. What, what do you do specifically? Maybe because <coughs> I'd say people who listen to this would have, if they have any understanding of Warhammer 40,000 at all, mm -hmm. would only have a very top-line understanding. So maybe just explain what you, as a, as a hobbyist, in that universe, what kind of things do you mm -hmm. do? What what are, what are, what are you doing with that with the the miniatures <laughs> and the painting, etc.? Uh, so first off, I would say, uh, if you have any uh, prejudices, preconceptions uh, toward the cliches of you know what you think Warhammer is, what you you know who you think plays it, <laughs> they're all true for starters. Okay, <laughs> that's that's not up for debate. Like, I'm, I'm not shitting you, right? The first time I walk into this game's workshop, as I previously mentioned, the first thing I see is, like, um, a 28-stone man with his ass crack hanging out with his back to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're in deep here. And there's a bloke dressed up in, like, some old Soviet-Russian commissar gear just yes. giving lectures about crossbows. And there's a young lad behind the counter um, who I'm good friends with now who's just kind of zoned out, like... Fucking take me away from this. It's another it's exactly, crossbow lecture, another yes. one. <laughs> yeah, I, every time that guy. Um, so the cliches are fairly accurate, but ultimately it's um, so there's, there's miniature painting as a whole. And I would say, if I'm to use more uh, roundabout language, uh, Games Workshop and Warhammer are a subgenre of that, if you see what I mean. So uh, you obviously have historical miniatures. Um, like my dad was a big Napoleonics player, so I kind of grew up around that stuff. Oh. Uh, there's loads of other different manufacturers. Obviously, you've got the boom in 3D printing technology with people just sculpting. They throw it out there. People make their own stuff. Uh, you've got loads of other companies trying to copy them. You've got uh miniature board games now which were a big thing um like when we were kids we had shitty little counters and snakes and ladders 
Like, there you go. That's a person. Is it really? I don't think it is. Uh, but now you have so many cool board games that have really cool miniatures. So the spectrum is unbelievably broad. Like I will buy just a board game to get one miniature sort of thing. Um, but to focus more tightly, I guess Warhammer is the ultimate commercial juggernaut <laughs> in this field. It is meticulously but it's just genius, basically. It's kind of like um, when film studios used to own cinemas and then they could kind of just vertically integrate. They'd have their own brands of popcorn and everything, everything from the top down of the film being made to it being displayed to the food you eat while you're watching it is owned by a single entity. Uh, these guys, they manufacture the miniatures. They write all the backgrounds for it, some of which is like 30, 40 years old. Really needs updating. Uh, they manufacture the paints, the tools to paint with, the glues. Uh, you can buy boxes of sand, which sounds really lame. Uh, little tufts to put on them. Just like there's a universe of fiction. They have their own like book publishing company. Uh, and yeah, it's everything about the hobby just kind of condensed into one little box, really. Um, so I would say it's it's one distinct flavor and aspect of the hobby. Yeah. It's almost one of the original ultimate content strategies, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. like yeah. you can play this game, but in order to play it, there's so many moving parts that mm -hmm. need to go into you being able to even possess or and or field an army. <laughs> mm -hmm. You yeah, could yeah. spend half your life trying to even design the army before you even yes. ever even play the game. And I suspect there's a lot of people who never play the actual game but mm -hmm. have invested a significant portion of their lives just collecting, painting, mm -hmm. creating dioramas, mm -hmm. uh, just being involved in this universe because, it, as you say, mm -hmm. it is so massive and there's so mm -hmm. many elements and aspects to it, you could lose yourself in any one yeah. of them and find a niche who just, you know, we just create shrubs. We're the Warhammer uh. 40K diorama <laughs> shrub niche and there would be yes. tens of thousands of people maybe just yeah. doing that. You could find them on Reddit. So yeah, okay. Wicked. This kind of gives listeners a pretty good understanding as to why you can you can go pretty deep down the rabbit hole. In yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Hobbying. So you've you've got a lot of that going on. It's been the impetus, or one of the impetus, the impetus. Anyway, let's not get dug <laughs> stuck in semantics here. So <clears throat> you've got that's been what has led to creating MS Paints, the YouTube channel. One of the one of the mm -hmm. aspects of it, which we'll come back to again, as I said, mm -hmm. but I want to touch a little bit more on hobbies. So first one, do you have a single most prized possession in your hobbying world that, that you consider above all others to be the one? Uh, like out of all the hobbies that includes the collecting and all that stuff? Everything. Okay, cool. It's pretty niche, but bear with me. Hang on to the rope. So uh, have you watched? Of course you fucking watched it. Uh, you know the X-Files, yeah? Of course. Yes. So uh, when everyone thought that the creator of that, Chris Carter, was the biggest genius on the entire planet, they just gave him loads of money and he had five shows that were running at the same time, which not many people know about because they weren't very mm. good. Um, mm. 
but the X-Files had a crossover and sister show called Millennium, starring Lance Henriksen from Aliens. I didn't even know that. Still with me? I'm I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And basically it's a TV series a lot like Seven. He's a criminal profiler, and it's set in the X-Files universe, so it gets a bit weird sometimes. Basically, I really love that show, because it's like the X-Files, but more depressing. (laughs) Yes. If if the X-Files was Aliens, then... Millennium is Alien 3, and I love Alien 3. Cool. Uh, and I have the Japanese full laser disc collection, uh, which was sent over by a friend in Japan. And so cool. it's so heavy, the shipping cost more than the actual item. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, once I, once I lock down this, uh, all three seasons of Millennium on Laserdisc, I don't need to collect anymore. I'm happy. Uh, so that was that was that was that it wasn't horrendously expensive, but it's just nice to have like nine kilos of millennium on my shelf. Uh, (laughs) Tell me honestly, Dave, have you insured this collection? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) we uh, before we bought this house, we went through my collection of everything, uh. And we, we put down what I paid for it and what it's worth now. And I was given permission to continue collecting based on uh, how much it had gone up. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best one. That's my favorite one. Beautiful. Beautiful. And look, <laughs> I can, I mean, this memorabilia, in fairness, is quite an incredible investment if you get mm. the right products. Mm-hmm. This stuff does. I mean, it's never going to be produced again. So you are kind yeah. of there is a, there is a real financial value in this if mm-hmm. you're that way inclined. And I'm sure there's people out there trying to get the original Han Solo release yeah. from you know yeah, yeah, blah yeah. blah blah just purely from a financial viewpoint. Mm-hmm. In a way that like NFTs are going bananas at the moment for people who have no interest in art whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but I won't go down that rabbit hole at the moment. So. Going back to your story, so to paraphrase what's what I kind of see is going on, you're a man of many interests and you yes. like to lean into things. Sometimes mm-hmm. those things have turned into commercial pathways that you've ended up mm-hmm. making careers out of, which is excellent. Yeah. And sometimes you've gotten too close to the flame and gone, geez, I tried to make a career out of this. And this the career <laughs> version of this is actually really fucking ugly. So I'm going to step yes. away from this. But one of the things you've kind of taken a hobby or one of the manifestations, or yeah, maybe that's the right word. You've taken this love of the 40K universe and created this MS Paints channel, which on YouTube, which I'm a big fan of. And I think for anyone who, even if they weren't even interested in 40K, I find the content really, really engaging. And I've never seen so much positive commentary on YouTube content. Usually there's at least a taste or a touch of toxicity, but yours is the people who watch your channel, the content and the commentary is overwhelmingly positive. So you're, you're able to sort of touch on a nerve with it. I think people really are um, responding to it really well. And I'm sure that's kind of been your perception as well, not wanting to put Mm -hmm. words in your mouth, but Mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to create this MS Pates channel and kind of what the why is mm-hmm. behind it. What, what what are you trying to do with this thing? Mm-hmm. Cool. You know what the MS stands for, right? Uh, well, maybe you explain. 
Cool. I didn't know whether we got off on the wrong foot and I was no, no. about to drop a bombshell. No, no, no. Like, drop, oh, drop the bombshell. <laughs> cool. So uh, MS Paints, apart from being a really funny joke for the over 30s in the room, um, basically I started, yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, so I, I've been into the hobby uh, maybe a year and a half at this point and started getting some weird issues with my body. Um, so suddenly my right arm stopped working and I thought, well, this is, this is something. Uh, and I'd spent like a week sleeping on various office floors in Manchester. Um, again, film industry, wonderful, lovely place. Um, and boom operating, holding a microphone pole above my head. So I thought that that's it. I've just fucked my back. That's it. I've pulled a nerve or something. Uh, and it didn't go away for a month, got it checked out and everything. They said, it's just like a nerve thing. Uh, three months later, went blind in one eye, <laughs> which is, that's, that's a shit scary feeling. Um, and all the doctors and everything that checked me out, I could tell they knew what the problem was, but they didn't want to say anything. And I'm oh, just kind really? of in these. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I could, I could, I could absolutely tell. Um, uh, it's like an autistic gift. I think you can just, you can just see it on their face. Like, mm, come on, chief. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm sat in these machines with all this apparatus, like checking my eyes out and stuff. I'm like, motherfucker, I know you know what's wrong. Just tell me, oh, well, we don't know quite yet. We'll have to book you in for an MRI. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll sit in the big metal tube. Uh, so he goes in the big metal tube and then uh, I get called in for a meeting at the hospital and I'd been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which was, well, I wouldn't say it was exciting, uh, but not amazing. Um and I'm kind of sat there and, you know, the the nurse is kind of like, oh, do you need a glass of water or anything? I'm like, no, nah, I kind of want a bacon sandwich, actually. Uh, and everyone was kind of very confused that I wasn't more upset. And I was sat there thinking, well, I thought, to be honest, I fucking had cancer. I thought, you know, there was a tumor on my uh, optic nerve or something. Uh, I thought I was going to have to have an eye taken out or like part of my brain cut out or something. So I thought, well... Um, this isn't going to be, I mean, it's 20, uh, what year was it? It was 2019. I thought by 2019, they're going to put me on something. Uh, it's a deteriorating condition. Um, the gift that keeps on taking, uh, as someone put it to me once. Uh, but ultimately I'm not dying anytime soon. Uh, and my first concern was, hang on a minute. I really like painting little toys. And, you know, there's a possibility in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I'm not going to be able to paint my little toys anymore. Uh, so that is where the idea for the channel came along. Uh, I thought, well, I didn't want to be that guy that suddenly gave a shit about the charities and whatnot because it had suddenly affected me, if that makes sense. I have I have no issue with people that do that, uh, but for me, I thought mm, that that's that's not how I want to represent myself. So I thought, what if I can construct uh, like a a learning community almost? So I wanted to find other people out there that were facing the same problems as me, or people that had already gone through it or were going through it, and we kind of put heads together and think, okay. 
I should elaborate. So this vertical integration I mentioned with the Warhammer hobby teaches you to paint in a very specific way, uh, which, which is, you know, it's great. Everything looks fine. It's quick. It's easy. Uh, but my motto is that it needs to be quick, easy, and painless. So it wouldn't be painless for me in 10 years' time because there's a lot of fine edge work. And yeah, you can train yourself to do those skills, but what if your body doesn't respond the way it did yesterday? So the whole ethos behind MS Paints is how can we paint things differently that look all right? Uh, So on the one hand, I'm teaching techniques that I've learned and I'm going to still hopefully use in 10 years. Uh, But as you said, the positivity is the other angle where you can tell I've worked in marketing for a while, uh, film, video marketing. Uh, (laughs) How do I also put across this other notion that chill out, it's just fucking plastic toys? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I have friends in the hobby, I have online friends in the hobby, and the amount of fucking stress that it causes fully abled, uh, fully limbed people who can see perfectly well. And I thought, there's got to be some poor motherfuckers out there like that have so many uh, hurdles to cross before they even think about picking up a paintbrush. So on the one hand, we're teaching actual techniques. And on the other hand, we're preaching this idea of it's all good. That's the only way I can describe it. There's not any kind of overarching ideology. It's just, it's all good, man. Like, have a go. If, if it don't work out, like, chill. And look, I think that is a really good sort of ideology as, mm-hmm. as it stands, because mm-hmm. you can try to put too many words mm-hmm. uh, to, de- to define these things. And being a overthinker myself, I feel like that can be a real trap because you end up constraining yourself by what something is and it suddenly can't be anything but that. And then you end up in this thing where your creativity might get stifled. And I think, Dave, from the way that you've actually really clearly articulated what this channel is and why you're doing it, it really succeeds on that ideology. I I feel like anyone can engage with the content and even if they've never picked up a paintbrush, get excited about a trying to paint a miniature for the first time or create a diorama or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, but B also, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's bringing a new audience in. It's also mm-hmm. people who may have touched, touched on the 40 K universe before re-engage with an old passion that they, mm-hmm. they had once uh, loved. And for mm-hmm. that whole other audience of people who are, having having to go through any sort of disability which mm-hmm. you know obviously having the host of the show ha- having ms is a pretty mm-hmm. powerful statement and i guess proof of concept mm-hmm. right you are yeah. the guy doing the painting yeah. so yeah. there's so much authenticity in that right and and you're very yeah. poignant in the way that you explain the things which are happening day to day and you explain mm-hmm. like oh this this is something i can do now i might not be able to do it in a few years we can probably get mm-hmm. around that i think that's what's so endearing about the channel and is drawing mm-hmm. people in. And as you touched on community wise, mm-hmm. and I sort of touched on before, people are really, really positive in, in the commentary. Mm-hmm. And I think for someone, for anyone who's 
been involved in the in the gaming community and especially like video games and also like 40k the board game those communities can get very toxic very quickly there tends to be <laughs> so much negativity in them it's almost like people have this rage in them that they need to direct somewhere mm-hmm. i don't know where it comes from but your channel doesn't have that so you're doing something uniquely right there mm-hmm. have you experienced that same sort of negativity sometimes in these in these sort of hobbies and pursuits of yeah. passion pursuits that have big collective followings. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was on ground zero in a laserdisc collectors group when two collectors, like in completely on different continents, were like threatening to kill each other because they packaged something wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like that is that is two middle aged men recently divorced that have got into laserdisc and they have nothing else to do apart from make threatening videos on a public group. And I'm just sat there watching it all happen with my popcorn, like Michael Jackson, like, yeah, yeah, go on, lads. <laughs> um, but that, that's kind of the hilarious, stupid, fun side of it. Now, uh, you get it with uh, video gaming and you get it with tabletop gaming, um, to name but a few sectors where you get this it's just a shit attitude. Like, uh, I don't want to generalize, but it's like tiny little men. <laughs> not not physically, just like, just little shits. Um, mm-hmm. That when you cultivate a personality around the thing that you love so much uh, and things are still wrong, if this makes sense, we're getting real deep here. We're getting real deep. It kind of becomes your only outlet to deal with shit. So um, let, let's take an extreme example. Like if you've ever Googled uh, Games Workshop horror stories, you're going to find lots of this wonderful fun stuff where ex-staff members just write down incidents that have happened that you think are fiction, but then you go into Games Workshop and you're like, no, this this probably did fucking happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so you get situations where um, geeks and dweebs and nerds kind of retreat into this hobby and they have a little close-knit circle uh, where they all talk to each other like shit. Again, I've experienced that. And like a woman walks in. Oh, shit. Uh, women don't like me outside of the hobby. Uh, I'm going to make it a nightmare for them while they're in my little circle kind of thing. Mm. So uh, it becomes a weirdly unwelcoming environment if you don't this is it's a smaller demographic than people imagine but it's if you stuck around in one of those shops for 12 hours you would encounter it half a dozen times Mm. um but it's it's a weirdly uh i don't want to say not, not xenophobic but it's a something phobic to outside of your little circle um Mm. There's almost so a, I, like a agoraphobia there. Agoraphobia, which, which, yes. Which causes this total focus on the, the insular focus. Mm-hmm. And because they're not really, and again, I say they loosely, a lot of people can mm-hmm. pursue these hobbies quite well. I just feel like mm-hmm. they, some of them are t- in particular over-indexed in this negativity as, as you've observed yourself, Dave. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but when there's no other outlet in life, it mm-hmm. almost feels like, the one thing is going to get it. It's going to cough it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's truly a surreal experience if you've never 
like myself, I, you know, I, uh, like when I first got into this hobby, I, I went out to clubs and shit, lifted a lot of weights, did a lot of powerlifting, uh, professional musician, you know, uh, I was very not the iconic games workshop gamer and you're a buff rocker real life... turning up and playing miniatures. You are? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, because I was just so not on the one on the one hand, I obviously I was quite an unusual thing to be there. Um, not that I'm saying I'm magical and special and awesome or anything like that, but I was so out of the friendship circle that these people were used to that even I would find myself getting talked down to. And I'd just be, I'd, I'd sit there and I'd make an offhand comment or I wouldn't know something. And all of a sudden, I'd just have this weird attitude thrown at me like I was a complete fucking idiot, like mm-hmm. a test tube specimen. Mm-hmm. And I would just get spiel, like, at my face, like like I was in a wind tunnel. Like, please, <laughs> please just fucking stop. Um, <laughs> at one point... I, I think I was just talking to a friend in there about a paint scheme that I wanted to do. I wanted to do some little cyborg robots, but I wanted to do them Battlestar Galactica style, like chrome silver with pink lasers. Um, and, and a guy said, that's not in the book. And I was like, well, I know, but I, I thought about it. I just want to do it. And I bought them, so I'll do it. Uh, and then he gets his book almost like preloaded out of his bag, and he just throws the book in front of me. And I'm like... <laughs> Did you just fucking throw a book at me? And then suddenly he shrivels. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, confrontation. No, 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 no. Did you just, did you just fucking throw a book at me <laughs> and tell me to read it? Uh, oh god. Yeah, it's it's truly bizarre, and I I feel for, um, like, and much respect to any, uh, why. Well, anything that is not a standard nuts and bolts white dude walking into those environments and trying to pick up the hobby, massive respect, keep persevering because progress is always going to win sort of thing. Uh, So there's a lot of kind of backlash. There's like, there's fucking entire Reddit groups that are kind of based around uh, fictional Warhammer ideology that says trans people aren't okay. And you're like, I'm wow. That's deep. I can, I can get it if you're deeply religious and you have a generational religious passing down. But mm. we're talking about toy soldiers, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fuck off. Uh, and oh, then you see man. like pictures of Warhammer characters with Donald Trump's face on, and you're like, you are taking the piss. Please tell me you're taking the fucking piss. Please tell wow. me you are. Um, there's a perspective it's, it's, issue there, isn't there? It, it's like... For real, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which confuses me, given that there's so many ways that the human race can now gain perspective. <clears throat> to find yourself seven level, levels of hell deep putting Donald Trump faces on Space Marine characters and giving them your own dialogue, mm-hmm. It's there's so many ways you can look around to the side and behind you and think this is not okay, and yet people mm-hmm. don't. I, I just don't. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. But maybe we're yeah. focusing on the wrong thing here. Let's focus on the positives. So, why is your community? Why is the MS Paints community so good? These people seem supportive, mm-hmm. 
What have you done that you think is different, Dave? Is it is it is it the way you've articulated your vision? Is it your mm-hmm. principles? And do you reinforce them regularly on the show? What's the secret there? Uh, I, I think it's kind of the it's the lack of ritual that you impose upon these processes and that you impose upon these inanimate objects. So uh, a small model gets as much reverence as a big model, despite how much they cost. I know that I have to learn. And if I want to learn, I'm going to have to paint the shit I bought. So you have to dispense with, I, I guess 12 years doing film music teaches you to dispense with ritual. Like you can't clutch onto something that you've made and it's the most amazing thing ever, and I love it, and I want it, and I will throw my family off a cliff to keep it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because at some point, someone is going to come along and say it's shit, which I had many times in the film industry and still do now and again. Uh, So it's a lack of reverence that I want to portray over this stuff, because it is ultimately just stuff. And, you know, something falls off a desk and they'll say oh shit dave your 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 model that you spent a week doing you know it's fallen off a desk it's like well i can just make another one i can literally make another one and probably quicker than last time because i know how to do it now so and because i'm new to the i three years i would say i'm quite new still um i understand that initially i would have had to have learned a lot anyway but now that i'm having to change my game plan to adapt to ever changing conditions I know that I still need to learn. My stuff is not as good as like studio painters, people that paint professionally, but ultimately it doesn't matter. That That's kind of it. It's, it's have fun with what you're doing, have fun in the moment. And if it's stressing you out, just fucking leave it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think that's why the the community that I have on the Discord chat and in the Facebook group is so there's a few guys that kind of aren't chill. You know, they're they they have a harder disability than most people, a lot of the people in the chat. Um there's um there's a lot of anxiety going around, you know, just with everyone, not just in this hobby. That's just the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, everyone's kind of on board and I've managed to find a hell of a lot of positive people, which is, which is great. I've been in a few sort of disability focused Warhammer Facebook groups and subreddits and they're, they're pretty miserable places. And I kind of thought, fuck is, are these my people now? Are these, are these my people? <laughs> this is my tribe. Uh, oh crap. <laughs> this, this is my tribe. Fuck me. Uh, and then when people started popping up into the discord chat and they're happy and bubbly and they're just posting the stuff they've done. And, you know, they're, they're proud of it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just be proud and beautiful. Uh, but don't let it go to your head. Uh, that's that's kind of my motto. I need to write that down better on like a fortune cookie or something. But, <laughs> that's needs yeah, to yeah, be yeah. on your, the logo at the start of your channel. That's a river. Be proud <laughs> and beautiful. <laughs> just don't let it go to your head. Don't let it go to your head. That's <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, and obviously you might have noticed... Uh, I have some animated cuddly toys on the channel. Man, I love that's one of my favorite bits. That frog. <laughs> Keep going, please. Yeah. So it's it's another thing to just kind of entirely 
fuck off this toss uh, this this toxic masculinity angle thing. It's like here's a dude that knows how to use a camera. He can paint models. He paints models more than I do. Uh, he doesn't know the Warhammer lore, and he plays with cuddly toys. He's everything I hate. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's so aggressively pissing off a toxic minority. And it's, I couldn't have another bite. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> but I never at any point say that's what I'm doing uh, or acknowledge that. Again, it's all about doing and conveying things um, without expressing any kind of agenda, I think. It's very artfully done on your behalf, Dave. I hadn't really, like, Thank you. <clears throat> I could kind of see notes of that through the work that you do, and I can see that you relish mm. doing that because you take so mm. much joy in those scenes that you create where the puppets pop up and have these dialogues with you, which are, like, uh -huh. I, they're probably my favorite, but even your cat, which obviously doesn't say anything. Yeah. I just, I love that, you know, you've got this cat there that's, that's <laughs> uh -huh. looking after your miniatures sometimes <laughs> when you go on trips. Uh -huh. that is so i mean it's the antithesis of of mm -hmm. a, a significant number of people who would be involved in these pursuits mm -hmm. that it kind of works as a good way to to sort the wheat from the chaff i can imagine people aren't going to engage with that who are really threatened by people mm -hmm. maybe having uh, having a perspective of these pursuits as they are what they are which is i'm painting little toy miniatures and having mm -hmm. a good ass time doing it Yes, and playing with my cuddly frog. <laughs> Where did you get those puppets from? Uh, so the the Tony puppet, the Italian American guy. Yeah, hey, to Tony. Do... Hey, Tony. Hey, fuck <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> I used to do traveling puppet shows about, I think my last one was five years ago. Uh, awesome. Yeah, and that was kind of the puppet that was introduced. And I kind of started picking it up and doing that voice with it. And people were like, you're pretty good at puppeteering. Have you done puppeteering before? I was like, no, no, not really. I can I can do this voice and I can move them around, though. Uh, and then I did that for four and a half years. Um, but so to speak, our my political and social ideology with the show's creator distanced enough that I felt I wasn't comfortable doing those shows anymore. Uh and basically, I bought the puppet off him because I didn't want someone else to take on the mantle of that puppet. So I have that puppet. Uh, people are kind of hot and cold on Tony. I'm not entirely sure. Everyone loves Health and Safety Frog. Uh, health that and Safety Frog. Man. I love, I love yeah, Health yeah. and Safety Frog. I saw, I saw him in a shop window, and I thought, that is the saddest fucking looking <laughs> cuddly toy I've ever seen. It's like <laughs> if Kermit went out on a bender. And the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just sat in this shop window surrounded by all these really happy smiley sea creature teddy bears and he's just sat in the very middle on a podium just slumped over looking miserable as fuck and I'm like I want that I need that uh, and I bought him for my partner um, and just kind of like because I have that puppeteer in background very organically I kind of just will sit him on my knee and animate him uh, and the frog will pet the cat. Uh, it, it's very weird, but I would just sit and animate him. And I thought, well, why don't I learn how to do uh, After Effects and rotoscoping and blue screen? Why don't I animate him by himself? So he, he moves freely without any hands on screen. Uh, when ultimately cool. it's just my hand behind him. And then I take the hand out. 
I was uh, trying to work out how you were doing it. I'm like, is there someone else in these scenes managing the puppets? <laughs> but you're kind of after affecting the animation through mm -hmm. software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, cool. I, I sit the frog down um, and I'll leave the camera rolling and I'll just kind of move him around, animate him, look to the script, see what he needs to do. Uh, I'll take him out so that you have a clean plate uh, where he's not there. And then I put him back on top and I cut my arm out. And because there's a back plate, nothing goes missing. Man, that's brilliant. I love it. How, how do Six you come hours. up? How, how do you come up with the with the what's the ideation process for your episodes? How are you coming up with new content? Because you've got a pretty cool mix mm -hmm. of different things. You've got diorama work, you've got little side projects. Mm -hmm. I guess it's not so hard for someone like you whose life is kind of filled with side projects but i'm interested to know because people people might listen to this and go shit i always wanted to start my own youtube channel this guy's i'm loving what he's doing how can i start to do that so and i think one of the first critical roadblocks is people think oh, i don't have anything to create a channel about i'm not that interesting mm -hmm. blah 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 so yeah i'd be interested to know how you come up with your episode i guess plans the first thing i do is i look at my massive fucking pile of stuff that I've bought and not done anything with. Um, it, it's not just limited to miniatures. I'll go into like a craft shop and I'll see a wooden box and I'm like, oh man, what if the lid came up and then underneath is like a diorama that kind of is spring-loaded or something like that? Or, I don't know, these giant polystyrene balls. That's going to be fun for something. And then I ended up making a, a big hot air balloon Mad Max style using the polystyrene balls. So it's... I will dig into this, it's like Smaug's treasure hoard, it's just in this big old corner. Like having a dedicated room has just revealed so much shit that I have. Uh, and I'll pull something out like, oh, a, a, a Star Trek model kit from 1987. Wow. Um, cool. I'll do something interesting with that. Maybe I'll put LEDs in it. Maybe I'll, I'll paint it differently. Maybe I'll practice battle damage on it. Uh, but it's kind of find a thing. What can I do that might be interesting with it? Uh, is there anything I can learn film-wise or visual effects-wise that I could do with it? Um, so I'm learning how to do the model. I'm learning how to do the film, the edit, any effects, stuff like that. And then you kind of have to think, okay, what's the thumbnail and what's the title? Because ultimately, the thumbnail and the title will define who clicks what. It doesn't matter what your content is after that. It's the, the initial engagement. Uh, that does it so the media marketing is not an afterthought but it's like third place to tie it together got it got it that that media marketing savvy to go okay if i'm going to create this i need to create a mm -hmm. pretty clear pathway for people mm -hmm. to engage with it so that's when you start mm -hmm. thinking about keywords you might have in the title or specific mm -hmm. topics which you know are people are interested in or, or mm -hmm. trending well on different platforms and you weave yeah. those into your narrative. But the first yeah. thing you think about is, am I personally interested in this? And yeah. secondly, can I learn a new skill or technique just playing uh -huh. around with this? And those yeah. things create an episode, basically. They're, they're the crux of what happens. And then you just add icing on the cake. You bring in health and safety frog, yeah. Yeah. Uh, however you feel like it fits, but you're basically, you're just having fun doing what you like doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let, let's take um, my toy dinosaur video, for example, which is the second to last one. I released another video today. Uh, the toy dinosaur video, I, a year ago, I found 
uh, a Chinese website that was supposedly selling really nice, like Jurassic Park T Rex statues. I knew what was in the picture was never going to fucking turn up. But out of morbid curiosity, I ordered two of them, right? And I thought, okay, when these turn up, I can make a video and I'll call it something like, uh, I bought Warhammer from China and got scammed. This is what turned up, you know, clickbait dog shit like that. So good. Click, click, click. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yeah. Click, bing. And then I thought, you know, because it took a while for them to arrive and with moving house and moving studio into a basement it gave me time to more sort of roll it around in my head a bit uh and you know as as Stephen King once said not that Stephen King is the be all and end all or whatever but he did say ideas that you write down might not be good ones just go with the ones you remember and this one stuck around for a year uh Mm. and the idea kind of gestated more and health and safety frog would come along so maybe I'll have a fun little bit with health and safety frog at the start I'll do a joke about how I'm getting scammed. I'll reenact that. Uh, I'll have a guy from a shit delivery service literally throw the package at my door so it breaks, which we did. Um, <laughs> that I got my friend happened. to do it. I watched that and I was like, did he make that up? Like, that actually happened somewhere. It, it turned up uh, to the place where I get my mail, like all just ripped open with like dinosaur heads sticking out. Oh, that's uh, so funny. So it's, it's not far off, but that's kind of what I did there was took a punt on something. And then sat and let the idea form for a long time. Uh, and that's been one of the best videos. And it's it's up to 35k views, which obviously isn't insane. But that's for me, a lot making, of people. That's a lot is, of people. It is still a lot of people. Man. For a, for a toy about, uh, for a video about toy dinosaurs from China um, that opens Man. up with a cuddly frog. <laughs> that's so cool. Like, <clears throat> I know the narrative in mass media is like millions of followers, right? It's always mm-hmm. like, ah, uh, they're not an influencer unless they got X millions. Of- mm-hmm. If you've got 35,000 people watching <laughs> anything more than 10 seconds of a YouTube video, that is just incredible. Like they're so in on your universe and you've, you've, yeah. you've amplified your message so greatly. I, I just love yeah. that. What, what's the title of that one, Dave? Uh, I, it, oof, I'll put I it in the it's... show notes. I'll put it in the show notes. Yes, I, th- I think it's called Seraphon War Beasts from Toy Dinosaurs. Uh, and yeah, again, it's, it's just full of really niche references. I made, uh, you're familiar with the term soap opera, yeah? Do you have, yeah. you guys have soap operas? Sure yeah, yeah. I do. Um, yep. Home I and Away. A pair of Home and Away, yes. Neighbours, of course, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I put some, what looked like big gold earrings on this dinosaur and I made a reference to a classic soap opera character that was always wearing massive hooped earrings. And people love the little niche references, all the wrestling, re- wrestling references. People are just like, oh, that's niche. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, that's so good. That's so good. The, for people who are, ch- who are planning on getting into this content mm-hmm. creation world, Dave, mm-hmm. what are the, what are the, what are the kind of the, the the fundamentals you think someone should have who wants to create a their own YouTube channel? What like what? Let's look at this <clears throat> top down. So, what is the maybe the single best piece of hardware, single best piece mm-hmm. of software, and maybe a guide or or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's just say your favorite. Let's just say what's your favorite piece of hardware, your favorite uh-huh. piece of software and maybe a favorite resource to help you to learn about this stuff, if you can think of one. 
uh, I'd say the first and most important thing aside from gear is if you're going to be on camera or if you're going to be talking voiceover, narration, whatever, settle into a personality that you can do whatever the weather. Do you know what I mean? Nice. Like, I find myself pretty consistent because I can kind of, I just kind of lean forward into a personality that I can do day in, day out kind of thing, um, yep. which does involve a, a slightly weird, subtle accent change. Uh, I don't quite know why that happens, but it just happens. It's that my Grimsby accent is a sponge accent. So uh, I, when I'm putting up a face, putting up a front for a camera, uh, those kind of come out a little bit, I think. Um, so yeah, be find your vibe and be comfortable with it. So yeah, my, awesome. my early shit is awkward. As everyone's early shit, it's always really awkward and clunky. Um, and now it's kind of, I can just pop the camera on some sticks, bob a light on, think, yeah, that looks okay, and just do what I need to do. So, nice. yeah, cool. don't be false. You don't need to be false unless you want to be false on purpose. Um, but have a personality you're comfortable with that you can do on the fly. I love yes. that one. That's great. Because yeah. there's going to be times, if you're going to be consistent with anything, you're guaranteed mm-hmm. to have to do this shit either hungover or super mm-hmm. late sometime to meet the, yeah, the deadline. Yeah. Like I've done it so many times, editing podcasts, blah, blah, blah. So if yeah. you create this crazy personality for yourself, which mm-hmm. takes, you know, two hours to get into the method acting, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to be Scarface every time. That's going to be fucking hard when you don't want to do it. So that's a really, really good tip. Mm-hmm. What, what do you use software-wise for someone who's a basic video editor? Mm-hmm. What what can you not do without? What do you think is a good piece of software? Uh <clears throat> I mean, you have to get it on subscription now, but I'd say if you can, uh, wait for them to have a like a, I think they do forty percent off um, Adobe. If you can get yourself uh, Adobe Premiere and learn Adobe how Adobe still the game, that, that's the way to head. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people say Final Cut or Avid, but I have had because I used to make movies in college and at school and stuff like that. I'd say twenty years going strong. Premiere has been just such a breeze to kind of pick up and walk through. As a 14-year-old kid, I learned how to use Premiere. It was, do you know what I mean? If I can do that then uh, with Adobe Premiere in 2003, fuck, yeah. Uh, and if you can get the whole suite, it comes with After Effects, which is good to learn. Photoshop, really fucking useful for your thumbnails, like any still shots you have. It's just all really useful stuff. And to a degree, the language between all the software is universal. So if you add an effect in Premiere, it's going to do the same thing as it does in Photoshop generally, and the values are going to be similar. You only need to really learn how one thing looks, maybe to a degree. They all have intricacies, but there's a consistent language across there. Okay. Uh, camera? Camera's, camera's an interesting one, because I started out with GoPros and then using my phone. Are you using uh, GoPros to record to, originally? Yeah, yeah. My, my first few videos, like they look quite polished more than gopros normally do um because i put them in premiere uh, and then took away the fisheye distortion and things like that but it was good to get gopros because the audio is all right the picture's good and you can hit record and it just takes care of itself uh so you can focus on what's your personality what's your story what you're trying to do what's your brand identity sort of thing uh moved briefly into Sony cameras that my 
um, marketing and film company have and hated those, didn't understand the colours. I couldn't make them look good. Uh, and probably the hands-down camera I recommend because I always think if you're going to really make a go of the social media thing and you're going to be on camera, go for a real camera. And the Canon M50, I think it's like four years old now, uh, but it's like a 500 pound, it's really cheap. It's a 500 pound 4K camera um, with high frame rate, slow motion as well, if you want that. Uh, and it's not too expensive to get some nice lenses on the end of it. As soon as you put a nicer lens on the end, the camera looks like a three grand camera. It's fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> so that, that was my workhorse for about six years. And I owned, not six years, six months. Uh, and I only just upgraded to a Sony camera now that I'm comfortable with understanding how the colors work. <laughs> Got it. Got yeah. it. So that's that's been a, a process to get across that. But it basically, mm-hmm. if you get if you get something like the Canon, it's going to probably <clears throat> cover anyone's needs up to like the most elite level mm-hmm. before you'd have to buy another piece of equipment. So maybe invest yeah. in something better to start with like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, let's just call it like a mid-level uh, mm-hmm. quality ca- camera that you mm-hmm. can adjust the, the the lenses on it if you need to. And that's mm-hmm. going to basically be your jack of all trades for yeah. the foreseeable yeah, future yeah. until you decide to create like cinema-level quality yes. <laughs> production. Yeah, 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 basically. Uh, and audio. Audio is, I would almost go as far, not just because I'm a composer and a sound guy, but audio is probably more essential when you start out than camera mm. which sounds which sounds odd but as you know as a podcast guy you you know this mm-hmm. uh you know the the studies done that were hammered into me when i was at you know uh film audio school which is um two different groups of people were shown the exact same film and film b which was the same as film a had uh badly mixed sound and universally group b absolutely pan the movie even though it's the same fucking thing but because the sound was a bit iffy yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it's that intangible thing that people can't quite understand what's wrong with something but if you sound too distant too echoey too cold too mechanical there's no bass in your voice you sound too detached there's a lack of intimacy there people just aren't going to connect in the same way it's not the case overall because you know you you find some extremely successful streamers and shit um that aren't really hot women uh you know they're they're, they're guys that don't have very good microphones yeah 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 (laughs) goodness me um that that still do really well because their personality overrides uh technical limitations but if you're starting out drop 120 quid on like a yeti blue because it just sounds mint straight out of it like i have a a 300 quid mic here and if i was in a pinch i will take the yeti blue because i know that's just gonna that's just gonna plug in via usb it's got nice little volume controls everything's gonna pick it up fine self-contained unit that will do it (laughs) Mm, minimal stuffing around more focus Mm -hmm. on just creating good content yes yeah yeah i can attest that attest to the sound quality thing because Mm -hmm. One of the the only feedback I was getting on getting in my early podcast journey from from people who were listening to the podcast that the, the feedback would come through would be not positive, negative, or otherwise. It was just your sound is weird. <laughs> like I heard a sound in the background that whole episode with no other feedback, and I was like, really? That was your takeout from the episode? Yeah, yeah. 
Jesus Christ. So you're absolutely right. Like if, if it's not quite mm-hmm. right, the audio, it's almost like it's shitting people. Like it annoys them. They don't just t- tune out. Like it pisses them off. So I think I'd, I'd certainly agree. Get the mic yeah, sorted, yeah, even if you're just GoProing your episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Last, last tip I'll throw out real quick. Last yeah, tip please, I'll throw Dave. out. Think about your music. <laughs> uh, your music is excellent. Where, where are you sourcing it from? Is it there open we go. source? <laughs> so, so. Uh, so I, I tried doing the YouTuber thing where you just use stock music and you use like chirpy tropical house. And I'm like, I, I, I can't fucking stand this. <laughs> I can't so fucking bad. stand this. I've, I've written this stuff so many times and I fucking hated writing it. And I fucking hate listening to it. And I don't like listening to someone else's <laughs> like just wishy-washy stuff. So I do have a like a stock assets. I'm with Storyblocks, who are useful for uh, After Effects templates, video templates, stock footage, audio. They're very good. Um, and I usually scroll through there to find something relevant. Again, with the background as a, a composer, I'm pretty particular about it. But also having that knowledge set of movie soundtracks and game soundtracks and pretty much all my favorite soundtracks are about 10 years old and no one remembers them. Most of them have never been listed on YouTube (laughs) or Shazam or whatever. Uh, There's there's like, I'll find a soundtrack for a, a Game Boy Advance game and I think that sounds nice. It's got a nice flute in it. It's a pan flute. These dinosaurs I'm doing are Mesoamerican themed kind of ties together pan flutes mesoamerica let's put those together uh so you kind of i don't want to say scoring it but the music needs to add a little something a little bit of character uh and for me who plays on a nostalgia angle with my audience quite heavily uh old video game music (laughs) is going to get those guys in their early 30s just like oh 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 fuck (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is is this yeah. from Wave Racer '64? I've heard this tune before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So many people asking, "What track is that? What track is that?" And a lot yeah. of the time, they're just asking what the stock tracks are, and I'm like, "Well, it's just fucking stock music." Um, and then the latest video, I I made a point because so many people were asking me. I put in the bottom corner what the music was from, and I still today have people asking me what the tracks from. It's like, just <laughs> guys. <laughs> stupid knows no bounds on the internet <laughs> it, it really adds another whole dimension to things mm-hmm. and, and i think you've done so well at pulling all these elements together uh which makes such a cohesive ex- uh, enjoyable experience for the audience I, I think you're you're ahead of the game in a lot of aspects with the content you're producing dave it's really really excellent Thank um you. Last question, mate. What's what's the most epic thing from your perspective of of the MS Paints channel journey? What's what's been the the thing which really has really excited you about it? Uh, I'm trying to think what I've done. Uh, or maybe it's just not happened yet. Well, that's mm. that's possible. I like that. Mm. I like mm. that a lot. I feel yeah. that there are big things in the in the works for you. I mean, this thing is getting really nice traction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, repeat engagement. The same. I'm seeing the mm-hmm. same peeps come back and comment on subsequent episodes. Mm-hmm. So, look, I, I, if you're happy to leave it at that, I, I would be too. I think <laughs> I think it's onwards and upwards for the MS Paints YouTube channel. I hope so. <laughs> where, where where's the best place to to engage? Where would you like people to come into the into the Dave 
uh, universe. Is, is the MS Pates channel the best ground zero, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Like all my other social media is just kind of a hodgepodge of um, just just kind of nonsense, really. Uh, Instagram's Instagram's not so bad if you want to see uh, pictures of my frog that I've taken on holiday, uh, my cat eating my Warhammer, or like just some crappy video game that no one remembers that I bought from a charity shop. And, you know, a bit of miniatures as well. Then absolutely hop on there. Uh, but generally... Yeah, the MS Paints channel, there's a channel intro that tells you everything you need to know about the channel. Uh, and then you can kind of, I think there's like 30, 32 videos now. Uh, and things just kind of progress in such a in such a tight little way. Like you can, you can physically see me learning how to use cameras as you go through those videos, which is, I, I went back and watched them earlier. I thought, fucking, why is my skin green? <laughs> why is my skin green? What a twat. I thought that was After Effects. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, it's been so good to have you on the show, mate. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you after like a couple of no sleepers coming mm -hmm. on and rocking an episode so, so well. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. It's just been an absolute, I haven't laughed this hard through an episode for a while. So it's, it's been pretty great. <laughs> cool. When I, when I get another hobby and try and monetize that, then we can talk about that one and we can have a good time again. Yeah, please. Please. Yeah. The more the merrier. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. You can find all the latest happenings on the website, doingepicstuff.com or our Instagram, Instagram forward slash doing epic stuff. We out.